0: Christian Parenting. Aloha, friends. Welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host, and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Some teenage boys today find uh, porn sites blasé because there's a plethora of nude photos of girls that they actually know in their own age cohort, which, which is troubling to say the least. But it's happening and it poses its own set of challenges. And I think the, the one that most frightens me is that digital is forever. So when you take that photo and you send it out, you don't know where, where it ends. And I know that kids have made mistakes across millennia, but the cost of mistakes today are higher.
0: Hey, friends, welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope your summer is off to a great start. Now, we were just listening to a short clip from Sean Clifford, who is here to blow your minds, (laughs) seriously my mind was being blown throughout this whole conversation. It is so good. It is so packed. And this is part of a summer series that we're doing here about boys and technology. And if you know me well, you know that I believe in coming at this topic from as many fronts as we can. There's unfortunately not simple way to keep our kids safe online. So last week we had Kristen Jensen on talking about um, the brain defense curriculum she has and about her pictures, good pictures, bad pictures, and how important it is that we have conversations with our kids, that we teach them and equip them um, for being online, for how to have a healthy relationship with technology and what to do when they come across something they didn't mean to or they shouldn't. And so that's one front. But we also have to have internet filters. You've heard me talk about this over the years, blog about it in my book. But Canopy is a company that Sean Clifford is the CEO of, and they're coming at things in a new way that just is really, really fascinating. Canopy is a parental control app that uses artificial intelligence to block porn in real time, prevents sexting, allows parents to choose what apps and websites their kids use, and tracks device location. So Canopy is doing things that I had never heard of before, and my whole family is super impressed with their technology. And you're gonna hear more about it from Sean, but also I hope you'll use the link in show notes to click over and check out what they're up to. You're gonna hear more about Canopy This summer. Um, But I think Sean would agree with me. The important thing is is that you get a filter on your devices that's working. So depending on your family's needs, your situation, um, look into your options and just get something on every device in your home. Now, I hope you can listen to this interview to the very end because some of the things Sean says towards the very end are so encouraging as far as conversations with our kids. I loved it. In fact, this whole interview is just awesome. So I can't wait to share it with you. Uh, Without further ado, I'm going to let you just dive in and listen to Sean Clifford and I talking about keeping our kids safe on devices. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Sean, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast.
1: Monica, thanks so much for having me.
0: I am excited for this conversation and it's, it's such an important conversation and I just appreciate people like you who are doing such important work in the world. So before we dive in, I've got lots of things that are on a lot of our minds that I want to talk about today. But first, can you just introduce yourself, maybe your family, and what you do?
1: Absolutely. So my name is Sean Clifford. I am the father of four kids, one girl and three boys, appropriately. Uh, And they are ranging (laughs) in age from nine, our oldest, all the way down to two. So girl, boy, boy, boy. Uh, I've been married to an amazing woman, Meredith, for almost 14 years now. We're coming up on that now. And uh, for the past three years, I've been the CEO of a company called Canopy, which aspires to empower families to navigate this crazy digital world that we live in. Uh, And in essence, our very first act is to try and make sure that kids can be online without ever experiencing porn. Mm,
0: Man, that's a high aim in today's world.
1: Yeah, daunting task, but uh
0: yeah. Well, I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Um and we're going to talk more about that as we go here, but you've got a lot you've done a lot of work. You've done a lot of research. You have some information that just has has made me really more aware as I've read through some of the information about Canopy and all the things you do. So let's dive in. Let's let's not waste any time. Let's talk about why parents? Now, I'm, I'm guessing anyone listening, that the boy moms out there listening, are aware that porn is an issue, that the internet is a scary place. But let's talk about what's changed more recently. Maybe you can share, let, let's dive into to what's happened in the last few years, old porn versus new porn. Can you talk about that?
1: Absolutely. And I think it's a great place to start just because On the one hand, the issue of pornography is age old. You can go back to Plato and find him uh, talking about it. But something has shifted. Um, And I think at the heart, I mean, there's a few changes. Probably the most notable one is the advent and just rapid adoption of the smartphone, um, which has just changed a lot. But I want to talk a little bit as you kind of teed up the, the distinction between old porn and new porn. So old porn was effectively Playboy. And I think this is still what many people think about when they think of porn. It was a difficult to obtain, b limited. Maybe there were fifteen images per issue. Uh, those images were static, right? It was just a snapshot. Uh, it was limited to nudity, um, which you know it's not great, but uh, was tame by modern standards. And lastly, it was mm-hmm. embedded in a culture that many people viewed uh, as where pornography was viewed as problematic. So that's kind of the world of of Playboy. And we couldn't Mm -hmm. be in a more different place today. And so just to kind of follow with those same points, new porn is easily and instantaneously accessible. It offers unending novelty, which is so important. That's the real thing that hijacks the brain. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's much more visually compelling. And by that, I mean, it's HD videos uh, as opposed to just a static image. Uh, And then you know the fourth thing is it's graphic right it's not just a still shot it's like very intense and dark um and much more formative and impactful in that sense and then lastly our culture is hypersexualized so mm-hmm. the environment that you're in where even if you're not looking at pornography just the whether it's the news or what you see on YouTube or um basically any venue we're just much more saturated in these visual images and videos that um, I think kind of speak to our brain in a m- uh, more compelling mm-hmm. fashion. And so it's everywhere and yeah. it's out there. So yep. the yep. end result of all this is that new porn is much more likely to be alluring, formative and addictive. And so I try to encourage folks. And sometimes I meet resistance. I, I hear a lot like, wow, ah, my, you know, my uncle had a playboy under his bed and Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that was fine, but uh, we're in a completely different world now. And I think this is really the first time in human history that you've effectively given 10-year-olds access to Mm -hmm. everything on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, And what, you know, I'm sorry, but long-winded. the the last thing I'll say is uh, I listened to a a gentleman who regrettably just passed away, Gary Wilson, but he had a interesting TED talk in which he said, your average, uh, I want to say 15-year-old today... Will have seen more naked women in a ten minute span uh, than his ancestors would have in a lifetime, and so just Stop. like uh, it's uh. Uh, it's a new world. Not to be a fearmonger or scaremonger, but we need to be have our eyes wide open to the the challenge that it poses today. No,
0: wow, that's that is just frightening and and I told you before we even got on the before we hit record that I'm okay with being a scaremonger on this one and that years ago I told my boys I wanted it to in their minds for porn to be right up there with joining a terror organization or smoking crack I was like I want you to fear this because I know I have you know personally known families whose lives have been destroyed and and this I mean I knew people when the internet was still so young that it took going to adult shops you know and doing those kind of creepy things that most of us again who are older grew up associating that with just such a negative dark world but now it is so accessible that it's it's becoming normalized I think um mm-hmm it's becoming people kind of joke about it like it's it's everybody you know assuming everybody is looking at porn and wow so yeah i think i think it's something that is okay to have a little a little uh scaremongering fearmongering is okay with me in this okay so let's then talk a little bit more about kids here And like you said, 10-year-olds who have devices, what else is going on with kids? You, I know, have talked about sexting. Can you kind of go into some of the other things that some parents aren't even aware that kids are doing?
1: Yes. So the one that probably garners the most surprise from parents is just the phenomenon of sexting, which uh, is for, Mm -hmm. for any of those that don't yet know is when you take a nude photo of yourself and send it out digitally. And this has been particularly uh, heartbreaking just to observe um, over the past couple of years. It is becoming much more prevalent. Um, The stats that we had uh, from, gosh, this was maybe five years ago, that one out of four American teenager had um, received a sext and one out of seven had sent one. Um, I haven't seen updated numbers, but uh, they are going up. Um, And... Over 50% of kids have sent or received one. And then the one that I saw most recently is that two-thirds of American teenage girls had been solicited to send one. And so mm. it, is, um, it, is a, it is a new phenomenon. We can talk a little bit about that. We've actually heard some strange stories about how some teenage boys today find uh, porn sites blasé because there's a plethora of nude photos of girls that they actually know in their own age cohort. Which which is troubling to say the least, Um, but um, it's happening, and uh, it poses its own set of challenges. And I think the the one that most frightens me is that digital is forever. So when you take that photo and you send it out, Mm -hmm. um, you don't know Mm -hmm. where where it ends. And um, I know that kids have made mistakes across millennia, um, but the cost of mistakes today are higher, which I think poses a challenge for parents. Which I mean I'll I'll be very frank with you. I hate the term parental control software. We're kind of in that space, but uh, cuz mm-hmm. I don't want to be controlling. Like I don't want to be the helicopter dad that's always mm-hmm. hovering and monitoring. Mm-hmm. But at the same time I have to recognize that some mistakes today are just more costly than they may have been 15 20 years ago. So I think that's something that parents are still trying to figure out how they can acknowledge the risks out there, convey and prepare their children um but do it in a way where they still have that healthy relationship which ultimately is what we we want to push forward and man, drive on.
0: Man, this is this is a big issue. <laughs> like I'm just sitting here going, I could see where some parents just feel like I and mean, first of all we want to put our kids in a bubble and just give them no technology or just give up. Like is there even hope? Um one more thing you mentioned here that again, like I think most of us are aware of this, but as I was reading through the notes be, preparing for this interview, I was like just again reminded of of just the depth of this issue, but kids are darn good hackers. You say, talk to us about that. S- scare us a little more before we move on to some good news.
1: To the hope, yeah, there is good news coming. The the <laughs> hacker part, and look, I think generally speaking, I think parents feel overwhelmed from two different angles. One angle is like a lot of this is just new, and they're like it's uh, they don't know how to deal with it. And I think another angle is um, oftentimes their kids are more tech savvy than they are. And so there's this (laughs) uh, feeling of futility. It's like, well, I can try this, but they'll Uh just get around it. So in building Canopy, one of the things that we really wanted to do was uh, can you build a program that, you know, where we've effectively, to use our lingo, locked the back doors where there aren't these easy ways. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So one way that Kids traditionally are able to get around um, other filters is uh, through in-app browsing. So the great example is Google Maps. If you go into Google Maps and you enter in a adult uh, website, uh, sometimes you can actually get their headquarters to pop up, and then you can click the website in Google Maps, and it opens up a browser. So even though there's a filter on, you're able to explore that. And from the filters perspective. You're just interested into cartography and like spending a you know an oh, hour my goodness. navigating in Google Maps. So we wanted to make okay, sure Okay, so that- you're
0: telling me sorry, I just gotta camp out right there and make sure everybody <laughs> just heard that. So you're saying those of us with filters on our computers, if we've got a kid who wants to find something and doesn't want to be caught, and if they know this, which I'm sure kids spread the word, they can go into an in-app browser. So they go into Google Maps, they go into the little URL bar, whatever we call browser. Sorry, and they put in what they want to find, and we would not see that on our filter report or whatever. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, a lot of the uh, kind of traditional filters operate primarily in a browser, and so they're not able to capture the in-app browsing. So some are getting better at it, and so I don't. um, But that, yeah, historically, that's been one way to uh, to get around it, and. There are a few others. So what are the things that we really try to do? Uh, we have two guys on my team that mentor college students. Um, and they're familiar with all the other things out there. And so uh, they'll gather them together uh, with Canopy on and say, you know, we'll get a treat or a surprise for the first one that can get around it. And <laughs> these guys know all the shortcuts, all the back doors, all wow. the things to try. And uh, so far, we haven't done it, which is not to say that anything is wow. perfect. We do not believe in silver bullets. But Uh, That was a really important thing for us is, you know, a filter is only as good as uh, its inability to be circumvented. So that was really important for us uh, and and for parents as well to kind of give them that peace of mind.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and to be fair, and you acknowledge most of the kids, especially those young 10 year olds that we talk about, they're not out looking for pornography. Pornography is looking for our kids. Like there, there is just such a darkness out there that's, you know, trying to find ways to reach our kids and get them entangled as early as possible because that's when addictions begin. So I think that it's fair to say most of our kids aren't out looking for it. Um, though once, a, you know, teenager stumbles upon it, it is so addictive that that's when oftentimes I can imagine They are trying to find ways to get around whatever mom and dad have set up or whatever mom and dad are aware of. And so um, whether it's, you know, receiving a surprise, you know, message from a friend that they weren't expecting that pops up in front of their face or whether they're out looking for it, um, talk to us now about Canopy and what Canopy is doing that's unique and how it can help.
1: Absolutely. And if you'll indulge me for a second, Monica, I just want to touch briefly on the point that you just raised, which is... The stat that jumps out to me is that over 50%, a majority of kids, American kids, enter middle school having already been exposed to pornography online. And over 60% of them stumbled on it accidentally or found them. Yes. And I bring that up because I think that's also a really important distinction, um, which is critical for parents to know. We at Canopy talk Mm -hmm. about the difference between, and if you'll pardon the dry lingo, but type one porn and type two porn. Type one porn hmm. is pornography. That's like Pornhub, like a centralized website. And if you just don't go there, you're fine. Type two porn is the porn that finds you. You could be in a Roblox chat or you could be on Twitter or Reddit or someplace that, uh, it's completely acceptable for a kid to be and someone posts a link or an, and straight image comes in. And so the net result of that is, um, it doesn't require that you're out actively searching for something. It will find you. Sure. Uh, and that's, yes. that's yes. really critical. And once it does, um, you know, it starts to, you know, some things can't be unseen um, which is, which is sad. And, and so that's, that's one of the things we're really excited about our tech. So zooming back yes. to Canopy um, at a high yeah. level, Canopy is a digital parenting app uh, that you can download to a smartphone or a tablet or a computer. And our initial act is to try to deliver parents a porn-free internet experience, and not just for parents, really for for all families. Uh, And we're able to do that, leveraging some really incredible technology that was developed in Israel. Um, But I'll I'll walk you through briefly what it does and then how it does, because the how to me is is really exciting. All right, so, so what we do, with Canopy on one of your devices we effectively scan every single web page that you ever visit in any browser that you want to surf in um, instantaneously and are able to identify if any content is pornographic, whether it's text image or video. Uh, and then we can just seamlessly strip it out. So that's kind of the first thing is a real-time Incredible. porn filter that captures things that other filters miss. The second uh, feature that we we're really excited about is we can deter sexting. So if you enable the feature, every image captured by a device that's saved to the memory of your device is scanned to see if it contains nudity, or we have another setting here for minimal clothing, like a bikini or something like mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. if it is problematic, we then give the, the child the option to delete it right away and just have an amnesty <laughs> and uh, you know, make the smart mm-hmm. decision or to send it for, to mom for approval. And Mm -hmm. we hope that if it's not appropriate, they actually would send it, (laughs) they would not send it to their parents, excuse me. Um, And we really think this is a way to try and help them make uh, better informed decisions. So that's kind of the second, the sexting deterrence. And then the third thing is we uh, grant parents the opportunity to decide which apps are right for each child. So you can select which apps on their device have internet access and block the ones that you don't think are age appropriate or maybe they're time wasters. So a uh, mm-hmm. great example yeah. is come across a lot of parents that don't want Snapchat. So they'll just cut that off automatically. Um, and others, you know, whether it's a, it's a video game or certain social media, they can block that upfront. So between those three things, we hopefully curate a much better, healthier, safer internet experience for your kids. So that's kind of what we do. Um, the how I love uh, in part because it it really does leverage world-class tech. So part of the problem that we're confronting was exacerbated by technology. And we think this is a redemptive story in which we're using tech to solve it and really serve families. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's what that. gets up us in the morning. So um, the tech we have is smart, fast, and precise. So the smart part is we trained uh, artificial intelligence using machine learning to, scan images and videos and determine if it contains pornography with 99.7% accuracy. So it's just an algorithm that can look at, you can feed it any number of images or videos and it can make that assessment. The fast part is that we figured out how to do this really, really quickly. So as you browse, it's done in milliseconds. Um, Our video engine can scan an hour long video in under three seconds, just as an example. So the critical part of this is no, everyone wants security, but no one wants to wait a minute to scan each page. Right. So by figuring out yeah. how to do it quickly, we're not impacting the overall user experience for the user, which is, which is so important because a kid that has to wait 10 seconds is going to complain. They're going to fight with their parent. Uh-huh. No one wants that friction and yeah. it's just going sure. to be the trash. And then the last mm-hmm. thing is the precision part. Um, and this is something that we love, which is, Let's say you get to a website that has good content and bad content. So Mm -hmm. uh, Twitter.com, 19 posts Mm -hmm. are totally benign. They're Bitcoin memes or something like that. But you have Mm -hmm. one pornographic image. Our technology Mm -hmm. can just seamlessly remove that one thing and still serve up all the good. And so the net result of that is you don't have the all or nothing choice. Do you want all of Facebook or none of Facebook, all of Twitter or none of Twitter, so that you can only give them the good now, if too much of a page is bad, we'll block the whole thing. Um, and so that we, we like to think that we're able to bring a scalpel instead of a butcher's cleaver. do the kind of <laughs> yeah the really precise so stuff, so um, you know that's kind of bundle that all together. We think this is a totally radically different approach to what's uh, been tried before. We think it's as dynamic as the internet itself, and we hope that this really gives kids the freedom that they want and parents the peace of mind that they want. So that's Canopy in a nutshell.
0: Okay. Well, I love everything that you're telling me. And, you know, having a son who's studying data analytics in college, he just finished an artificial intelligence class. And so our family's talking a lot about this and how this is the way of the future. And so I love that Canopy is using technology to solve a technology problem. Uh, I love everything um, that you're doing. I just it is really mind-boggling to me that you're even able to do all this. So it's super cool. Mm-hmm. But one thing we want to talk about, um, because this was this was kind of eye-opening to me, is to realize that there are apps on phones, on devices, that no technology can go inside of. Right. So let's let's talk about that, and then what we can do as parents in light of that. So can you talk to us a little bit about working within apps?
1: Absolutely. One of the things that we really aspire to do at Canopy is empower parents. And so that means we need to provide them a tool and we also need to know where the tool ends and steps that they can take at that stage. So I think what you're alluding to is uh, we filter all web browsers and we filter all in app browsers, but there's some in app content that we can't filter. So the example here is Twitter. Twitter uses peer to peer encryption. And so we're not able to filter the Twitter app, but we can filter Twitter within a browser. So what a lot of our parents do is that they will opt to block the Twitter app, but enable their kids to experience Twitter in the browser. And so uh, for most apps, the experience is on par. Sometimes there's a little bit less functionality. um, But on the whole, parents, I think when they're assessing the the trade-offs, come to the conclusion that for this extra bit of safety and peace of mind that we get, we're still giving you a lot of freedom. And so that's how most of our parents do it. But it's important to know that there are uh, apps that we can't filter within. And when that happens, we always give the parent the chance to block the apps and then use the website version.
0: Totally. Oh, that's so important. Because really, I think, you know, we're busy as parents. And sometimes we'll get a filter and be like, okay, we're all covered now. And I know when I first got filters on our devices, I just felt this, you know, um, false sense of security, I think. And when my husband and I were like, wait our boys have Instagram, people can send a direct message in Instagram and a filter can't get in there. So I think it's important for parents to just be aware of that. And like you said, you can also use Instagram.com. I know that's a great solution. And of course, kids are going to rather be on a phone or on a device looking at the Instagram app. But listen, if you give, if as parents, we tell them, listen, you can either look at it on the computer and have it Or forget it. Don't have it at all. I mean, I think kids are going to appreciate just the opportunity to use it at all. And so this comes down to just some really tough calls as parents, but our kids are so worth it. And when you take this stuff seriously and you realize the ramifications, you know, the potential dangers, it is so worth it to make some hard choices. And so uh, we can go to Instagram.com. Our kids can see everything. And I think, Sean, you said you can even upload photos in Instagram on a computer, right?
1: That's correct.
0: Okay. So there's a lot you can do without being in the Instagram or the Twitter or whatever app. So I say, though, this is hard, though kids may give some pushback. If the option is you either use it this way or you don't use it at all, hopefully kids are going to see that, you know, we're just looking out for their safety. And this is, these are some tough calls as parents, but it can make a world of difference for our kids future. If you're on your game.
1: And Monica, if I could just jump in, um, I think you raised an a really important point, which is uh, parents should expect resistance. And that's hard. And I know oftentimes you feel overwhelmed and you're trying to figure out where to deploy your, like what fights you want to have, what's actually worth yeah. it. Right. And I empathize with that. My kids are still young, but uh, you know, I go through my own exercise on that. But I think this is one area where adopting safeguards now will result in your kids thanking you later. Amen. And I know that it's easy for me to say that. I can tell you about the anecdotes or I can tell you about the data. The data is uh, regrettably sad, right? That Mm -hmm. smartphones, when kids spend a lot of time on it from an early age, does not result in happiness. And in fact, the correlation is with depression. So uh, you know, over a third of American teenagers report being severely or moderately depressed. And that's gone up uh, meaningfully over the past couple of years. And we think there's a interesting professor out there, Dr. Jean Twenge, she wrote a book called mm-hmm. iGen, yeah. and she thinks so much of this is tied to their smartphones, that they love their phones, but their phones aren't making them happy. In the same way that endless sugar, which is very alluring, is going to give you a <laughs> right. stomach ache. Yes. And so with respect to limits in general, but particularly with respect to the type of content that's going to shape your understanding of love and intimacy and healthy relationships. um, We think that you need to give your kids the space to develop on their own and to be kids a little bit longer and then to form those healthy understandings. So I know it's hard. We're not pretending that this is easy. Um, There will be discussions as you constantly try and find that balance. But uh, we do think this is something that your kids will thank you for later.
0: Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And you already mentioned, you know, that this is the first generation of, I guess they're digital natives, right? Kids who are growing up with with devices and smartphones and technology. and And we are the digital immigrants. And so I think that for us to, it, it's hard to say no to things that our kids love, but later I think next generations hopefully will be more aware. And so if we can make that tough call, I think, I think we're going to be really glad we did later. And I agree with you. My college boys already thank me for the limits that I have set for them. So thank you for that. Okay, so this interview is is kind of part of a, a summer series I'm doing talking about technology. And I think you agree with me that there's so many different Fronts we can come in on. We want to prepare our kids just to have a healthy relationship with technology in general. And we want, we're going to be talking about video games and how we can navigate that. And there's so many different things. But can you now just touch on some of the guidelines you suggest for raising boys, healthy boys, in light of the challenges of porn?
1: Absolutely. So I'll walk through kind of four thoughts. The first is you need to prepare your kids. And I know that you had a session with Kirsten Jensen the author Mm -hmm. of uh, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, which is fantastic. And and her counsel is prepare your kids, have not one conversation, have lots of conversations, number one. Number two, always be open to a conversation. You need your kids to know that if they encounter something that makes them uncomfortable, if they see a bad picture, that you are not going to be angry, Mm -hmm. that they can come talk to you and have a conversation. I think kind of the third part of the preparation is tell them that it's okay to be different. We Mm -hmm. in our family, I want... Uh, my kids, we say, Cliffords are different. There's some things Mm. that are just not for us. Mm. Like, and I want them to develop a tolerance and comfort level with that. So as they venture into the world, they'll be fine saying, okay, that's for you. That's not for me and have the confidence to do that. Okay, so that's on the preparation side. Then there's the protection side. Again, I I don't want to sound self-serving, but you have to put a good filter on their devices. Some content isn't for kids. Some content's not for adults, frankly, but uh, this content finds them. And you have to give your kids a fighting chance to be a kid and to have the space, as I just said, to develop a healthy understanding of relationships and love. So make sure that your kid does not have a very alluring, tempting, and toxic thing always accessible at any time right on them. It just We wouldn't do that with anything else in life.
0: No. Uh,
1: and yet, for some reason, we've done it here. So make yes. sure there's a guardrail. Next part of protect them is bound your device in time and place. And by this, I mean, your your children's devices, your device, frankly, should have a bedtime and it should be a bedtime before you go to bed uh, and it should wake up after you. It's great advice from this wonderful book, The TechWise Family by Indy Crouch. Yeah,
0: um, I love that. And
1: it, it should also be bound in place. Uh, we have a rule in our own home. It's no devices in the bedroom ever. It's just not something that we do. Uh, wow. no devices at the dinner table ever. When I come in the house, I put my phone in a basket. If I need to check it, I'll go to the basket, but I want to set that my kids are still young now, but we want that to be the norm that devices have a place. Uh, okay. So that's to protect them.
0: I love that. third,
1: provide an example. Don't always be on the phone. And I think this is, we need to guide the hearts and minds of our kids to want something more than instant gratification and titillation. And there's a haunting provision from Andy Crouch's book in which she said when the iPhone turned 10, that meant there was a generation of 10-year-olds in America who had spent their entire life competing with the iPhone for their parents' attention and oftentimes losing. Which just Okay,
0: that breaks my heart.
1: I know. It's it's, it's a devastating, and I think part of it's devastating because it rings true and and we can see this. So set Mm -hmm. that example for them. And I think kind of the second part here is find a tribe to do life with. And so if you're going to set guardrails, if you are going to try and live well with technology, which is to say not let it run you, but have it actually serve you, it's so much easier if you as a family, but especially your kids have peers that are also living that that way. And so there's some great organizations out there. Wait until 8th is one example, but find other families that will do this so your kid does not feel like they are isolated and left out. And then the the fourth thing, which I think you, Monica, have done uh, a great job of is replace the void with something good. So you talk Mm -hmm. a lot about adventure. Like you want your kids to love real adventures, not the adventure Mm. you find on a screen, but a Mm -hmm. real adventure. And so I think this looks differently as your kid's age, but when they're young, they crave your attention. So spend that time with them. When they're a little bit older, um, gift them actual adventures. Like, hey, we're not going to get you a phone this year even though some of your friends have one, but instead we're going to do this crazy thing together. And Mm. so when they think about that loss, they actually, it's paired with something good that they're doing instead. And then as they get older, when they really want to spend time with their peers, curate that, make, make it so that they can have real fun with their friends. That's not mediated by a screen, but making sure like recognizing that the norm is moving towards screen times like do something better, make it more compelling for them. Yeah.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And
1: I think that will, that's hard. All these things are hard. So I say all this with, with em- empathy and humility and we strike out more than we succeed in my household. But mm-hmm. um, my kids, I think, notice that we're trying and we're trying to do yeah. something different. And I hope that I think that will count for a lot.
0: Oh, that is all so good. So good. And I love that. And I I think that too can go with the whole thing of, you know, being okay, being different and almost giving them that sense of, of confidence and, and pride, a good kind of pride that says you do cool things like own it, enjoy it, be proud of who you are and that you don't have to buy into what everybody else is doing. And I think there's a sticky, from my experience raising boys, I've got, you know, two young adults and a 17 year old before I also have the 10 year old coming up. But I know that there's a couple of years where it's really hard because kids have that strong, strong desire to do what other people are doing, but then they kind of come through it and then suddenly they have new eyes to see. So I I encourage parents to hang in there through those tough years because later they're really stoked that they have something special that, you know, because they said no to certain things. So, ah, Sean, thank you. I love all of that so much.
1: And Monica, if I could share just one final thought on this, uh um, We have found, you know, how do you convince a 17-year-old to do something different in this domain, whether it's technology or whether it's um, an addictive type of content like pornography? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways. And again, we really think, look, if you can protect them from that, that's critical. If you can help them learn to love something higher, Mm -hmm. better, that's incredibly important. Uh, But those things can be hard. I think one thing that kind of resonates with the current crop of teenagers in our experience is to let them know that a lot of these devices and a lot of these, the content that is out there has been designed to be addictive and manipulative. It is actively trying to get them to do something that they probably Mm -hmm. otherwise wouldn't do. And I think right now there's there's a vibe where I don't want to be controlled on my own person I'm gonna mm-hmm. make up, you know, that independent yeah. streak that teenagers get. Yes. Lean into that. Fine. Lean if you want to be independent, that. like yeah. great. Know that this is designed to get oh. you to do what they want you to do. So and true. removing the scale from their eyes on that, um, we have found kind of lets them look at the device. It's like, gosh, why did I spend, you know, two hours? Am I really, you know, because it was designed by a team of neuroscientists yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, to to keep you there. So we have found that's right. kind, so of kind of kind a, play a into that. Framing.
0: Yeah, that kind of rebellious spirit. <laughs> let, them, right. let them get mad at the right people. <laughs> right. Oh, that is that is super solid. Yeah, my, my teenagers watched The Social Dilemma. And I think that really empowered them to want to make some big choices for themselves. So, wow. Well, thank you. Okay, so if people want to go check out Canopy, um, where can they find out more? Tell us where to go.
1: You can check out our website at canopy.us. Uh, we are also on Facebook and Instagram. And look, our hope is to really empower parents. We think by providing a tool, we can do uh, some important things and really give them a chance to, to fight back. And we also hope to provide resources. Um, as you've spoken about, Monica, the old playbooks, the old ways that we approach this sometimes just aren't relevant given the realities of technology. And so figuring out how we can, as parents, uh, do well by our kids in this strange new digital landscape is challenging. And I think uh, you've done an incredible job curating advice and guidance for them. And um, that's an area where we we also hope to kind of help them out by just helping shed light on the challenges that are out there and the potential steps they can take to get through this (laughs) sometimes... Exhausting, tiring, challenging, mm-hmm. but ultimately very worthwhile phase. When you know totally. we think parenting is a, uh, it's a privilege. So it
0: is, it is. Sean, thank you so much. I just love your heart. I I know that you have a heart for your own family, and for community, and what it means to encourage each other as parents and to, you know, really join forces together. So I, I couldn't appreciate you anymore. Just thank you for your time. And um, we'll be putting links to Canopy in show notes, and we'll be talking more about Canopy in future episodes as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. You take care. Aloha. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you had some eye-opening moments, but also that you feel encouraged and hopeful that there is help out there. There are good people doing a whole lot to try to protect our families, and I'm so grateful. So go over to show notes. I've got some really helpful notes that Sean sent me. So grab those and also the link over to Canopy. And I hope you can share this episode with your friends. I think what we talked about was super important. I want as many families to hear what Sean had to say as possible. Now, guys, I am so excited about the rest of summer. We have such a great lineup. And next week, we are going to be talking about video games. And here is a big plot twist. We're going to be talking to a mom who is a gamer. That's right. I enjoyed this conversation so much. Uh, I was surprised and refreshed. And I think that if you've got kids who love video games, this might be a really good one for you to listen to. This is one of my all-time favorite interviews, actually. And it surprised me because, you know, I'm all about no video games, limit video games. Well, I'm still there, but I think she had some really interesting things to share. And part of what she shared was amazing guidelines and resources and places to go so that you can make really good choices without having to do all the homework. She did it for you. And she's giving us a really helpful download that you can grab and um, use to help you navigate the waters of video games. So next week's huge. Spread the word. And then we've got even more ahead in the weeks to come. So I hope you keep enjoying summer. Be in touch with me anytime. You can always email me at aloha at monicaswanson.com. Hopefully we're already connected on Instagram, but you can always find me at monicaswanson underscore. And as this comes out, I will be wrapping up my time in California with my husband and my son, Luke. So uh, come follow along on our adventures and say hi over there, okay? So guys, thanks again for being here. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha.